let's go to work. As barbers, we cut hair and fade all day. This podcast goes beyond the barber's chair and is about the rest of our story. Positioning ourselves for success, avoiding costly mistakes, and continuing to grow and thrive as barbers for years to come. Join us as we look at the whole world of barbering and go beyond the barber's chair. The Lesson of the Chessboard I've been lucky to have worked with some very smart people in my life and in different positions with different companies. And there was a time when I was the production coordinator for a magazine here in Atlanta. I was one of six graphic artists, and each week we would lay out and produce two editions of the magazine. Each of us had our strengths. One was lightning fast with our work. One was very creative and balanced the design quality with the speed that the sales reps needed their, their advertisements turned around for, for their approvals. Another was very good at preparing various photographs for ads run by car dealerships, making sure that every car had their best look. Another worked solely with text-only ads, and she had hundreds to do, and she had to keep them organized, along with their changes for each issue. Now, each of our strengths also had weaknesses. The really lightning fast person was not known for her creativity at all. Sales reps had to spoon feed her the designs they wanted. Now, the one who had the creativity, balanced with the design skill and the business savvy, also had an amazing diva complex and could do no wrong, and he knew it. And he would cash in on occasionally with taking long lunch breaks or more frequent smoke breaks. You know, one of those guys. The text-only designer had no art skills. So don't ask him to do anything that needed any kind of artwork whatsoever. And the photo expert was unfortunately not a good typist or proofreader. And his work often contained errors, mostly caught by the sales rep before going to print, but not always. And then we had her. The one person who no sales rep wanted to work on their ads. And quite honestly, the rest of us would have preferred that she not be there for a slew of reasons. The one thing that she brought to the table, besides a whole list of really bad personal and interpersonal habits, were, was that they, she understood little kid cute. Thus, the lesson of the chessboard. When this lesson was applied to managing the team, the group grew into a success which never missed a single deadline, and after the first two months, had a 0% adjustment rate, which meant that no ads ran with errors, and the company lost no money because of mistakes in advertisers' ads. See, in the game of chess, two players square off against each other with a matching array of 16 pieces. The object is to play the game and trap the opponent's main piece, their king, in a way that no matter what they did, the king would be captured and taken out of the game, and thus ending the game. Each side has the same pieces. Eight pawns. Pawns, were only made, pawns are only able to move forward one space at a time, with three exceptions. Their first move could be two spaces. They could also move one space diagonally behind another pawn and capture that pawn. They could also move diagonally to capture an opponent's piece and remove it from the board. And by the way, when you capture a piece, you take it off the board. It's gone. 
Both sides have two bishops. Now, bishops only move diagonally. They're often found in attacks which result in the opposing king being trapped. Two castles, or also called rooks. Rooks can only move forward, backward, left, and right. They could often be found preventing other pieces from moving to fend off an attack because doing so would allow the rook to capture the opponent's king. Rooks also have a defensive mood called castling, where they move two spaces toward the king, and then the king moves to the other side of the rook. Now, neither of the pieces could move before doing this, and the king could not pass through an attack this way. But that's what the castles do. Two knights. Now, these are highly specialized strategic pieces which move in an L pattern. They can jump through defenses, and they can threaten eight pieces at the same time. Pretty handy piece to have on the field. Then you have the queen. Now, the queen can move in any direction in any distance. The queen is the most powerful piece on the board, and in combination with other pieces can completely wreck the opponent's defenses. Then there's the king. When the king is captured, the game is over. So it is the most important piece. The king rarely gets involved in an attack, mostly because he don't want them captured, but also because they can only move one space at a time. So each piece has its job, and that's what it does. No matter how much you want a bishop to move horizontally, it's not going to do it. You can beg it to move horizontally. You can offer more money. You can write it up for insubordination. But it's not going to move horizontally. That's what it does. Each piece has what it does, both its strengths and its weaknesses. And as the player, it's our job to maneuver each of these pieces to capture our opponent's king. And we can't fire any of them. The only way to get rid of a piece is to allow the other team to capture them, hopefully in a strategic way to allow us to make other moves to capture their pieces and eventually their king. In other words, we already know what each piece on the board is going to do. We know what to expect from each piece. We know what we will receive from each piece. So let's put this back into the production department from before. While I was production coordinator, we reshuffled everyone's responsibilities. We put the photo expert strictly on automotive ads. There wasn't much text involved, and the really fast designer would proofread and edit what text there was. It took her less than five minutes to proofread each ad, so it wasn't a whole workload being pushed over there to her. It actually wound up becoming a really good team with a really good process, which they worked out. Now, she was also assigned to small ads, which didn't need much illustration, if any at all. More of this type of ad was sold, so it was a perfect fit for her since she could turn them out very quickly. Then the text-only designer was already doing what she did well, so there's no need to change. She's handling the many text-only ads which came through. Now, she also had an amazing peacemaker personality. So if anybody's tempers flared or if anyone was getting upset... She had a gift for being able to bring them down calmly. A gift, by the way, I'm very jealous of that gift. That is a fantastic gift. If you have someone on your staff who has that gift, 
make sure they are taken care of because that's just a magic thing to happen on a staff. We moved her desk to a central location and she was always available to anyone who needed her. Then we added responsibilities to the diva's plate. You know, the one who could crank out a whole lot of things and had a business savvy. We added more work to them. The, the sales reps could bring speculative ads to them. Now, these ads were meant to take a potential client where the sales rep would show the ad and say, here's what I'm thinking. The Divas work added at least three or four new customers a week. Now, this isn't a case where, hey, let's just pile more work on them because we also want to give them a little bit more reward. So what we did was we extended their lunchtime with the condition that their work continue at that level and that the reps' speculative ads would take priority to the existing workload, yet could not take more than 30 minutes in order to keep everything on deadline. So the diva, they benefited from it as well. They received the reward and became more productive. Their production speed jumped considerably faster, and they were even able to help take on some of the extra work from some of the other guys when they got overloaded. Oh, and uh, her... You know, that one. We positioned, we repositioned her work to include the simplest ads and holiday-based themes for the magazine. We knew that she loved cute designs, and so the holidays were a perfect fit for her. So she would create the design work to dress up the magazine for the holidays. She did it a couple months before each holiday so that the sales rep had something to take in their hands to start their customers thinking about the ad campaigns leading up into each holiday. In each instance, we had to look at what each graphic artist could do and work with it to make the whole magazine work. So how does this apply to the barbershop? What strengths and weaknesses do your barbers have? Which ones are fantastic with children? Maybe make sure the kid, that the kids get to those barbers. Which ones are always late? In some barbershops, you can adjust the shop's scheduling software so that nobody can book that barber until later in the day. Is this a booth rent situation? And you have a barber who takes a lot of time off? Maybe position them somewhere else in the, towards the back so the barbershop doesn't look so empty. There's many questions that come along with when we look at a barbershop, and each barbershop has its own situation. And really, who knows what the answer is. What's important to know is that each that you want to know what each person can give to you and the shop and to realize how much influence you really do have in the shop. There are many ways to work the chess pieces and it changes with every opponent in every game. Just like there are many ways to work with a barbershop and it changes with each shop and each day. That's it for today's episode of Beyond the Barber's Chair. I put links for my guests and for anything we discussed in the description. I hope you got something great and that it helps you as a barber and in life. If you like the podcast, I hope that you will tell a friend about it and subscribe so that you don't miss any upcoming shows. I'll see you next time as we go beyond the barber's chair.